0: Second pick in the 2017 NFL draft. The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Whoa.
1: Quarterback North Carolina.
0: Hello! It's gonna, it's gonna be a perfect fit. I'm um, very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the
2: Draft Doc Phil Atosian. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. It is a Sunday afternoon. As always, I am Lauren Cox here with Draft Doctor Phil Atosian. And we always like to say, you know, it's the off season, but it's not, it's not Sunday without Bears football. And hopefully we can be your little Bears fix this afternoon. As always, like I said, joined by Draft Doctor Philatoshan. Today we're going to talk about this Bears roster. We want to take a little bit more of a, a big picture look at exactly where this team has gone in the last 12-ish months as we gear up for the, the last leg of the offseason here. It's pretty much the most brutal stretch of the year with the draft in the rearview mirror. We got some OTAs here, and after those OTAs, there's nothing from June through late July until training camp comes up. So we want to take a look now that the roster is pretty much set, I mean, there's there's the Victor Cruz rumors that could maybe make one or two bottom of the roster changes here, but we pretty much know who the 90 guys going into the Bears training camp are going to be. And and all offseason, you know, Phil and I, we we look back at this team, and we kind of you know at, when a guy like Alshon Jeffrey leaves and a guy like Jay Cutler leaves, and you have a lot of this change, you really start to look and say, okay, is this team better than it is than it was a year ago? I mean, obviously. We will only be able to tell when they take the field on Sunday, but we can at least kind of, at least kind of look position by position here on paper. But I guess Phil, when you look at this roster in the big picture, does it feel like this team is better right now than it is than it was last year? And if so, how much? Just in a general feeling here.
3: Well, there's so many question marks, Lauren. Happy Sunday to you, by the way. It's great to be back on the air. We took a little one week hiatus, but it feels like it's been a month, Lauren. But where BHL is back on the air, Chicago Bears fans are are split down the middle, it seems, Lauren, because there's going to be a new quarterback behind the center. So with that, to answer your question, that's going to be the big concern as we move forward because it's the most important position in all of sports. And with Chicago, there's unknowns. And and unknowns with Mike Glennon, as well as unknowns with Mitchell Trubisky, who clearly they went into covert ops to make sure nobody knew that they had such a big interest in this football player. A consensus, mind you, highlight that, underline that for all of the conspiracists out there and the quarterback whispers for the 2018 draft. The Chicago Bears front office was in unison when it came to Mitchell Trubisky. So we're going to find out. And and I, unfortunately, don't have the answer as far as that's concerned. Because with Jay Cutler, Brian Hoyer, and Matt Barkley, what did you have, Lauren? You had a lot of inconsistency. You had a polarizing character that was here for eight years that clearly had elite talent but there was a narrative there was never a building block behind him there there's so many answers that people were tired and cons and, and making and smudging those lines and and calling them excuses but reality to me was <laughs> football is not as difficult and, and as people make it out to be sometimes it's a bottom line business and the bears have hit rock bottom. Let's face it, the time for a change was there under center, and they did just that. So that is going to be the impetus of how this football team measures out, really, because I think they did improve in certain areas, Lauren, and, and those areas we can get into. But the quarterback position, who is Mike Glennon? That's the BHL question of this season. It's our question when we go to camp, Lauren, we better have that BHL who's Mike Glennon t-shirt because if Mike Glennon's worried about them drafting a quarterback, then Mike Glennon isn't the right guy because I know uh, the quarterbacks I've coached all have a chip on their shoulder. They want to be the guy, and when you bring in competition, that just sparks who's going to rise to the top. Because the best way to get the best out of your football team is to have the quarterback be elite on every level. They might not have the elite talent, but they make elite decisions and move the chains and get you in the end zone. (laughs) Sorry
2: about that. Yeah, I want to address the Glennon unknown in particular because I totally agree that the Bears' success this season will be 100% on the quarterback position and you know, as much of an unknown as Glennon feels like, I do want to I do want jump back to the, what was it, I think 15 or so games he started in his career, at least over those two seasons. Let's see, it was 13 games as a rookie and then five starts as a sophomore. And I mean, not that those are, uh, that's a, a full track record by any means, but it, it's not as though we're coming in here as like a rookie where you're not sure what he's going to be able to do in the NFL. And, you know, we did back in, what was that, February or January we did our film room video on Mike Glennon if you haven't seen it you can go back and check it out on YouTube Bears Our Live YouTube channel and we broke down some plays of his there and obviously we liked a lot of what we saw there's a lot of room for improvement too but even just from a production standpoint you know in in his 2014 season his second year he averaged 236 yards per game which was a little bit more than Matt Barkley last year and a little bit less than Brian Hoyer but there's the, I feel like there's this sort of perception that Mike Glennon is either going to come out and be a dominant or not dominant but a great quarterback and you know throw for 4000 yards and 35 touchdowns or he's going to be a complete bust and really not look like an NFL quarterback but i feel like what's not really being talked about is this in between that he i think is the most likely scenario for him is that he's going to come out and he's going to win some games and he's going to make some mistakes and he's going to kind of be your average tall white quarterback you know i i took his numbers from that 2014 season and if you pace him out over 16 games It's just under 3,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 16 interceptions, and I think if he plays 16 games in Chicago this year, that's about what we can expect from him. You know, it's not going to be this light up for 4,000. I mean, it's possible he's turned a corner in in those years off and really been able to become a a great starting quarterback. I'm not ruling that out, but it just seems like the most likely possibility is that he kind of picks up where he left off and and throws for about, you know, 3,800 yards, and a decent number of touchdowns and interceptions, and that's kind of, you know, a Jay Cutler season. You look at the last couple times he played a full year, 2015 he threw for 3,700 yards, 2014 3,800 yards with 28 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. I really think that's sort of what I'm expecting from Mike Glennon is is a similar amount of production, and obviously he's going to need some help from his offensive line, but when you have a running game like Jordan Howard, I I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off him and allow him to sort of be able to play up at Cutler's level, whereas I think if Cutler had been able to play more with, with Jordan Howard and this kind of interior offensive line, you would have seen his numbers take a nice little jump up a little bit higher too. So I think Glennon is going to benefit from some of these guys. But at the same time, I don't know what they have at the wide receiver position. And, and maybe that's mm. where, we can, where we can move on to here, unless you had any other thoughts on Glennon well, from, from I just, I, I just, yeah.
3: How does Dowell Loggins come into play year three? Because you had Adam Gase here, Lauren, who... It seems like he was taking a step in the right direction. He ends up getting, obviously, the head coaching job in, with the Dolphins. He was with Cutler. You saw competitive football down the stretch with a team that was in games versus teams that went into the playoffs, Denver, Raiders. You saw a football team. It looked like they were taking a step. For him to leave and then Dowell is to take over, the yards and all that's great. But the three wins says a lot, and you know what the red zone issues are. So how is Dowell Loggins going to take on Mike Glennon and do what Mike Glennon does well and what the Chicago Bears personnel does well? You know, if I'm sitting at home watching these games and recognizing the misuse of personnel that we're going to get into at the wide receiver position, Jordan Howard wasn't even your starting back coming out of camp when it's very clear that Cameron Meredith and Jordan Howard were two starting quality players coming out of camp, to me, and they weren't even part of the rotation, really. They were the back end afterthoughts. Injuries led to their uh, rise in the roster and playing time. And then you had Daniel Braverman totally overlooked, the darling of training camp, and then overlooked because... The conspiracists came out again. You know, you're down in New England playing to, for your lives and your jobs. You recognize the art form of running a route as we move into the wide receiver position. Braverman is somebody that I believe had an injury, obviously, coming into this next season. How is Dow Loggins going to use these pieces a Braverman, a Gentry, a Tarek Cohen? these speedsters in and out that can run routes and have the art form. And, you know, is Victor Cruz going to be a part of this team? That'll be another thing. You got what? Seven tight ends now. So as we look at this wide receiver position, Lauren, as you, we transfer uh, transition to that, there's a lot of names there and there's young talent and there's former first round pick talent. How are they going to come back? And when you look at them, Lauren, you know, there's a lot, a lot of question marks here with Kevin White. Is Cam Meredith really in his third season last year was really his rookie season? So is he going to take a step back? Injuries can come a a problem. You have Wright coming over from Tennessee. Had some success with Dow Loggins there. He's going to be interesting to see how he transitions into Chicago, different city, different weather, coming back. Is he going to be a leader? You know, when you listen to the wide receiver coach, Lauren, he's talking about Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson. I mean, for me, those guys won't, wouldn't even make the roster as far as how I'm looking at this team. So if he's touting them as leaders of the locker room, I'm very nervous when it comes to the coaching staff analyzing personnel decisions, especially at the running back, at the skill position.
2: Yeah, and for the the quotes Phils are mentioning, there was uh, I think it was in Pro Football Weekly, and one of those they did an article where they took a bunch of quotes from the Bears wide receiver coach, and he talked about how you know the guys that have the most experience and the the most veteran in this locker room right now at the wide receiver position are Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy. I mean obviously guys like Kendall Wright are a little bit older, but Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy are the ones that have been around a little bit. And actually none of these Bears receivers are even over the age of thirty. And I think Deontay Thompson is actually the oldest at age twenty eight, which is a little bit of a, a scary thought there, but and they're both both Bellamy and Thompson are twenty eight. And and they are sort of the the veterans that guys look into. Even Kendall Wright's only twenty seven. These guys are, are sort of looking up to two of the more infamous Bears receivers from last year, and that's That's a little bit scary, but at the same time, I don't know if it's a huge concern because ultimately, talent is going to win out here. And I mean, at least for the most part. And you're not going to see Josh Bellamy or Deontay Thompson start over Cameron Meredith or probably Kendall Wright if he's healthy this year, just because you just know there's such a a vast difference in talent that that you can't, you're not going to see either one of those players take that position. And I don't even know if both of them are going to make the final 53 roster. There's just so much depth at the wide receiver position right now. A lot of names, but. You need you need people to be healthy. You know, Kendall Wright, he's a thousand yard receiver. He has been, at least, with the Tennessee Titans and Dowell Loggins, but he hasn't played in a 16 game season since he was coached by Dowell Loggins. So you need him. You know, it's hard for me to sit here and get super excited about him, you know, reliving his 2013 because he just hasn't been able to do it. And I don't know if a move to Chicago, especially with the Bears' injury history as of late, is going to be this magical fix for him to stay healthy. And same thing with a guy like Marcus Wheaton. I mean, I, I you get excited about what he does when he's healthy but at the same time you just don't really know if you can rely on him and it's not like he's been a thousand yard receiver either, although he's made some pretty impressive plays but again you know he sits out most of the 2016 season and you wonder you know has he lost a step you know does he still have the same speed that he did you, you just you just can't really know with these guys and then of course there's the biggest wild card of them all Kevin White and and again you don't really know you know for me I'm not Anything that we get from Kevin White this year is going to be a nice bonus, but I'm I just if if I'm preparing for this team, I just can't quite get excited and and really plan on him being a major part. Same kind of thing with with Kyle Fuller, but on Kevin White, I want to play for our listeners here the audio of the Bears wide receiver coach Zach Azani talking about Kevin White here at Bears mini camp a couple of days ago. He kind of talked about where he's at in his development and he had some at least uh brutally honest perhaps evaluations here of, of what the bears former first round pick receiver can do this audio is courtesy of the adam Hogue and adam john's podcast they played this on their show and i want to i want to talk about i want to talk about what azani says so listen in here
0: sure well number one extremely uh hard worker you know he cares a lot you know he's he's into it i mean he the second I got the job, we were we were talking daily. I mean, from a distance, uh, about different things. And he just he, he really cares. He's got a um, he's a high character guy. He's gonna be the first guy in the building, last guy to leave. You know, he doesn't like you know things written about him that is he a bust or all that. He just he he puts all that away. I'm gonna go work really hard and improve everyone wrong. And how I can do that is by being here every day, being a really hard worker. So it's been a great fit so far. And you know nothing but good things to say about him you kind of come at an interesting time for him you know, yeah. hadn't gotten his career off the ground because of the injuries That's he's right. also you're his third position coach mm-hmm. in three years mm-hmm. what as you come in right now do you see uh, that you can help bring out of him yeah in his development well I, I think you know his past two position coaches probably weren't able to develop him as much as they would have liked mm-hmm. because of the injury setback right so I get to kind of you know almost start from square one, to be quite honest with you. Nothing against those guys. They just weren't able to get him out there a lot. So, you know, so some of the habits that he had, uh, bad habits from college, he probably still has – um, and I'm able to, to come in and try and break those habits. So um, it's, a, it's a fresh start for him in a lot of ways. I mean, my man's got a new number. He's got a new coach. He's healthy. So, you know, knock on wood, good things for him right I'm now. I'm sure you went back and looked at what he was able to do last season. Mm-hmm. What did you see? Because it did look like he was starting to turn a corner. Well, I corner. asked him. I said, you know, the other day we, we, we met and I said, listen, what, what do you think you are? Tell me what you think you are. He said, well, coach, I'm, you know, I'm a big physical guy. Um, you know, I'm aggressive with the ball in the air. I said, okay, then that's what we have to be. So when I press play, we better see a big physical guy uh, that's strong with the ball in the air. And some of those things you saw last year, you saw some flashes. The other thing I liked about him, he made a catch, and I can't remember, uh, we were at home. He made a catch on the sideline. He got up, and I finally saw some emotion. You know, some of that dog came out in him a little bit. And I don't know if he's had that the last two years. It's shown flashes of it, but if he can play like that, he'll be pretty hard to stop. But he has to play like that all the time. So obviously, you know, it's not it's not I mean, I'm glad he's
2: the Bears wide receiver coach Zach Azani and again that's mm-hmm. that's courtesy of the the Hogue and John's podcast big shout out to them for that audio. It's, I'm glad that he's not you know he's not caught up in this hype or any of this sunshine and rainbows. The you know oh Kevin White he's he's primed and he's gonna he's gonna be a thousand yard receiver. <laughs> he's our number one receiver. It's not the the you know you're you're buttering up Devin Hester as number one guy or you're buttering up <clears throat> Roy Williams as you know the the savior at the position. This is yeah you know what we're we're kind of starting from square run with this guy in year three and at least at least that's refreshing. But Phil. Were, were any of those comments concerning for you? I mean, beyond just, you know, what we expected from, you know, a guy recovering from an injury like that?
3: I got to say, I really like the coach and his straightforward honesty. You know, sometimes you visualize yourself. If, what would I do if I was the coach? I felt like Azani handled that player and the commentary exactly how I would have handled it. You know, who, who are you? How do you see you? You know, we and and like you said, we've seen this so much last year's wide receiver coach, building up these soft psyches, you know, oh, he's great, you know, he's ready, he's this, he's that. You know what? (laughs) You got to prove it because everybody else is calling you bust. And if we're going to patty cake and play Baker's man with you, then you're really never going to be or reach the uh, heights that you want in your career, Kevin. So you really, it's on you now. I mean, you got paid. And if that's how you want your career to end, much like a David Terrell with the Chicago Bears, that that's thats it. But ultimately, the the football player themselves who has the talent, who has the ability, needs to have the work ethic, needs to get in the playbook, needs to understand their routes and what is being done to them like no other and do it over and over again. And, and really, I think Azani really handled that well. I think that's a good sign going forward, because if Azani is strong enough to say to Dow Loggins, listen, there's an art form to run in routes that certain players understand better than others. They could be the more talented guy. They could be a more uh, a faster 40 but give me a guy that knows how to run routes and can catch the football every time before you give me this 4-2 kid out of Washington. No offense to him. Just saying his speed doesn't determine his ability for me. I'll take a Steve Largent or a Wayne Corbett before I take half the guys in the NFL right now because they understand the art form. You have two guys on this roster right now that I believe – understand the art form spoken from me uh, a slot receiver myself it's it really does take the understanding of leverage acting when you get to the top of that progression and that route tree you need to show and tell them something they believe they have to take and you do the opposite once you understand how to do that you can get open and make plays, and I, I thought Cameron Meredith really was the one of the most improved football players last year and throughout the season. I thought he started to really get the art form of running a route, and, and we don't put enough emphasis on that. When you watch the Bears and you watch tape like Lauren and I do, and until the candles go out, you see who knows. And who decided, when you brought up Devin Hester, if the play's not going to you and you're trotting, and you're continually allowed to play, then what is that saying to the younger guy? What is that saying to everybody? So last year, bringing that into perspective, Kevin White was just being force-fed the football until he got hurt. And really, they were trying to show and prove this football player was good and gain his confidence. He needs to prove to his team and his coaching staff and the fans that he loves it. And is going to go out there and, and granted the injuries aren't the kid's fault, but now it's year three and you really got to know what you're getting out of this football player. Because I think Tanner Gentry is really someone you got to keep an eye on Lauren, because I feel like you made the comparison to Cameron Meredith with the kid. I see what you're saying. And uh, this football player understands because he isn't the fastest how to run a route to get himself open. And ultimately, at the end of the day, without a Jay Cutler in there and a Mike Glennon who has question marks and an accurate young passer like Trubisky, you're going to try to find receivers that can separate and move the chains and continue drives. And and really, I think Azani might be just listening to the guy gets me be fired up because he might be the most underrated signing this offseason versus the free agency that they brought in because of his young, energetic understanding, a former receiver himself, how to run routes and how important they are. So hopefully his voice in that room to Dow Loggins is going to be assured to get the best five, not the most, the five, Ah, uh, guys, you feel comfortable with, or a special teams guy out there that continues to drop the football and not help the quarterback and the team. So, I'm fired up. I think his comments about Kevin White were truthful and lukewarm expectations. You know, the kid has to show and prove it. They were just realistic, and that's refreshing.
2: Yeah, I I look at this wide receiver core, and and you know, the the question that comes to my mind is you know, you lost Alshon Jeffrey, so is this a better wide receiver group than it was last year? And I guess, the the more I think about it, I mean, it's not as though Alshon Jeffrey was lighting it up for 16 games last year, you know, it wasn't bad, Alshon Jeffrey's a very talented wide receiver, but it's not like it was a 1,500-yard year, I mean, it, it just directly compared to the production from last year, I mean, you look at Alshon Jeffrey, 12 games, 821 yards, It was it was a solid 12 games, but it was only 12 games, and then beyond him, it was a whole lot of Besides Cameron, Mer- I, I was overlooking Cameron Meredith there too. But you have Meredith and Jeffrey, and then a whole lot of nothing. And so you, you lose you lose Alshon, and, and you're expecting Cameron Meredith to take the next step. And then between, you know, the, a resurgent Kevin White, a, a Marcus Wheaton, a Kendall Wright, and you know maybe maybe a, a Deontay Thompson or a, a Ruben Randall or, or a Josh, or a, a Daniel Braverman or Tanner Gentry, somebody can step up and be a, 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 a at least a, a rotational player there. Do you, do, you have, do you have enough? I mean, you obviously don't. We, we, were, we were in agreement that, you know, don't lose Alshon Jeffrey. He's, he's a legitimate number one wide receiver that, that is going to continue to play at a very high level. But based on the 12 games we got from the last year and how brutal it was in those last four, I, I don't necessarily feel like the Bears have taken a huge step back at the wide receiver position. And maybe, maybe you know, Kendall Wright doesn't even make it to the, to the regular season. He gets cut. Marcus Wheaton maybe is only a rotational guy and isn't isn't the same speed. Kevin White gets hurt again, and then all of a sudden you're left with Cameron Meredith, Deontay Thompson, Josh Bellamy, and Daniel Braverman, and you're like, oh crap, this wide receiver core is, is garbage. But if you know, you're kind of hedging your bets here that one of Wheaton or Wright will be a solid starter, and maybe Kevin White gives you uh, a Leonard Floyd-type season in the sense that he he doesn't suffer a serious injury, but maybe he's banged up for on and off for 16 games and maybe plays in 12, but it's not just like... No, no one injury takes him out, but it's kind of just you, you don't have him week to week, and if, at least from a production standpoint, you do make up, I think, with those guys what you lost in Alshon Jeffrey. But at the same time, it's not it does it certainly isn't the same effect of having Alshon Jeffrey on the field, and you know you're also hoping that a, a few things go your way in order to even reach sort of that return level production loss from Alshon Jeffrey. What, what do you think as far as the likelihood of these question marks? Being able to at least sort of result in an offense that can move the ball decently well at the wide receiver position?
3: Well, they moved the ball last year without Alshon Jeffrey in there as well. They just couldn't put it in the end zone. So you really got to wonder is it the offensive coordinator? Um, you know, then you can't have it both ways. And, and, and that's where I see fans, you know, when they come at me. On Twitter, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can't say, "Well, he's working with Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy," and then at the same time, not question his red zone antics and how he calls plays when they're moving the ball up and down the field. What tr- what happens then? You know, you don't run the football enough. You you don't have creativity. Play after play, one play represent. Uh, similar to the other, but it becomes a pass or a boot, a naked off of it. The creativity there was lacking. And these wide receivers, you got question marks all over the place. You know, somebody has to step up. You got Reuben Randall. Is he going to be a rebirth with the F- Chicago Bears? Who He was a young, talented football. Came out the same draft that Alshon Jeffrey did. You know, younger guy. Phil, I think we came out of LSU. Really had a lot of, huh? Oh, you cut off there just a little bit, a lot but then pick right of, back up. I'm sorry. A lot of talent out of Ruben Randall. He becomes a a big wild card. Wheaton, I don't. He doesn't understand the route running ability. He doesn't have the art form down. Did he take the off season mental reps injury to say I'm going to prove this? He became a a, a signing in Chicago. So hopefully he becomes, you know, he comes into camp. I just hope they don't just transition guys they spent money on to create roster spots with them. I hope it becomes a true competition where you're recognizing who is going to best serve the offense moving forward, who understands the offense. You know, that especially plays to Kevin White because last year it was very clear to me, very clear that Kevin White, maybe was a fourth best receiver on the roster, that you're making him the second player. He Cameron Meredith was leaps and bounds ahead of him. It wasn't even close. And I went after that with our colleagues back on Bears Barroom in the preseason that it, it wasn't it was a joke that you're putting Kevin White out there as a starter. You might as well just tell the whole team you don't give a crap about competition. And if that's the kind of philosophy your offensive coaching staff has or your coaching staff in general, then you're going to be looking at a three-win season again. You've got to play the best. You've got to have competition. There's got to be players that step up. If Tanner Gentry is your second-best receiver, then Tanner Gentry better be in the starting lineup. And you applaud your, co- your scouting department for finding that. It doesn't become, oh, well, you missed on White. Who gives a crap? You found a Tanner Gentry undrafted. That's what the winning team, that's what Be- Belichick does. You think they care that they had a bust here and there? No, because they f- retool, they refill by finding talent and rewarding that talent that's busting their ass. This is their jobs to win and to, to, to win competition and start on, on the biggest stage in all of sports in the NFL. And the charter franchise, give the competition of it. I think Azani is going to be that guy to bring out that young, energetic philosophy, almost like a college coach coming in there and really challenging these receivers to find the best ones. And I know it's just talk now. Everything's just talk, Lauren. He could talk all he wants about Deontay Thompson and Josh Bellamy, but come Sunday, when the game's on the line, we know what transpired. And, and maybe, I'm not going to rule this out, that Josh Bellamy and Deontay Thompson got on the jugs machine all year. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. I'm going to prove that guy, draft doctor Phil, wrong. <laughs> and I'm going to catch everything that comes my way. And if so, then so be it. I cheer for blue, orange, and white. I don't cheer for particular players. I cheer for performance of those players. And when I identify that they could do it better than what you have, then you need to get the ones that could do it better than what you have, especially when you've only won three games. Now, if you're at that rock bottom and there's a lot of moving parts with a quarterback and a young rookie quarterback, it has not, we've not drafted a rookie quarterback since Jim McMahon in the top five of the draft. There's a lot of, of, of the swirling winds in a windy city. So it's going to be interesting to see who rises to the occasion, does their homework, because, folks, we only get to see film. We don't get to sit down with Cameron Meredith and Kevin White. Is Kevin White the brightest tool in the shed? I don't know. I honestly don't know. And if not, they made an error, because give me a guy that understands routes, Understands where he's going and what he's doing. That runs a four-five before you're going to give me a six-foot-two or six-three, two hundred and ten-pound guy who runs a four-three but doesn't understand routes. He could just run two, a slant and a fade. That that's not going to help your football team win championships. That's going to be fun to talk about leading up to a season, and then when the the, the bullets are firing, he's the first guy to go out hurt because. You know, he's pulled a a hammy or whatever. The injury stuff, you can't make the club in the tub, Lawrence. So, these guys, this is going to be an interesting battle. I don't know, honestly, just based off on the tape, how deep this wide receiver core is. I just think there's a lot of questions, and I, I feel like there'll be some cuts, and maybe there'll be some moves if a guy like Kendall Wright who's brought in here essentially to be a leader and to be someone who's polished, doesn't come in here and take that next step with a Cameron, Cameron Meredith. Cause that would be my expectation that they're going to come in here. They're going to start right. And Meredith as your one and two, and then everyone else is going to be battling. That's my expectation because of the unknowns with Kevin white. And if you're GM and your personnel departments pushing Kevin white down your throat again, that's a loss for your franchise.
2: Yeah, it feels like conventional wisdom here is that Kendall Wright's your one, Cameron Meredith your two, and then when you bring in your third receiver, it's probably Kevin White, and then you move Kendall Wright into the slot. Maybe Cameron Meredith sometimes since uh, Dawa Loggins liked to do that last year, although I know you and I don't quite <laughs> see it the same way. And then guys like Wheaton and, and even you know Daniel Braverman and, and Tanner Gentry, those kind of guys, they rotate in as that number four receiver, but I feel like they're going to at least try and push Kevin White out there at least a little bit like last year. Maybe not forcing him to start week one, especially if Kendall Wright's healthy and, and playing well, but I think you're going to see him sort of be in and near that starting lineup, especially with the amount of 11 personnel, you know, 3 wide receiver sets that they used last year. I want to transition now over to the defensive side of the ball because, there, you know, there weren't as many changes there. At least it didn't feel like it. It kind of felt like, you know, besides the uh, the three cornerbacks in free agency, there was a lot of, you know, letting things be, and although, you know, later on, you know, it seemed like the front seven was kind of at least overlooked or or kind of left untouched until after the draft, you see guys like John Jenkins and Jay Howard brought in, so that kind of changed the narrative a little bit, but for the most part, this is the same linebacking core pretty much across the board, you know, a few undrafted free agents on the outside, but not really a lot of changes there, and then defensive line, just Jenkins, Howard, and then the, the undrafted free agent, Rashad Coward, but it was the secondary that we saw a lot of the big changes, three cornerbacks in free agency, obviously the signing of Demps and the drafting of Eddie Jackson at safety. But I want to play another audio clip here from the Hogan Johns podcast of defensive coordinator Vic Fangio talking about the new look defense and sort of his expectations there. And he finishes up talking about Leonard Floyd. And I think that's where I want to start our our conversation on the defense here because he has some interesting things to say about sort of where Floyd was last year and and where he is this year coming in this offseason.
1: Vic, when the season ended, uh, Ryan and John talked about the need to get better in the defensive backfield. You know, you guys didn't get a big-name free agent necessarily back there, didn't draft anybody high. What makes you think that your talent is better than it was last year? We'll see. Do you think it is better than it was last year? We'll see.
0: What, what do you take away from the tape evaluation of a Uh
1: He, You know, he's been with – this is his third team in three years, so um, he's been around – um, thought he played better last year than he had earlier in his career, and hopefully he'll be able to continue that here and maybe play his best. He should be in his prime.
0: Are there any traits that stand out about him?
1: Well, he can run. He's got good speed. He always has. I think he's become a veteran player who understands football better than he did when he first came into the league. So we'll see.
0: Thinking your early days with Marcus Cooper, what do you remember about him when he first
1: broke in center? Um, you know, I don't remember a whole lot, to be honest with you, other than, um, we liked him. It came down to the, uh, last cut, uh, either him or another rookie. And, um, the special teams coach one out, um, because the other guy was a better special teams player. So we kept him and we were going to put Coop on our practice squad, but he got picked up by, uh, Kansas city at that time. So don't remember a whole lot other than he's got length. And, um, He's had some good, good days in the NFL since then, but this is his fourth team in five years, too, so hopefully he'll settle in here, and this can be a home for him. With
0: the season he had last year, what jumps out you on table what allowed him to be as productive as you
1: Well, he got a lot of action. You know, Peterson was playing the other side. He had to play a lot out there because of injuries, so he got a lot of playing time. He got a lot of balls his way. He broke up his fair share of them and got some picks, um, got a couple, um, but he saw a lot of action, so he's battle-tested, and you know, obviously you're going to get beat some and make some plays, so hopefully he's ready to for his career to take off a little bit. Well, get,
0: this uh, time so much, what do you
1: think the
2: game
1: with the Well, he's got a foundation of a year behind him, um, you know, and he was only available about half the time last year and had a bunch of those little injuries that um, uh, interrupted his progress throughout the season, and um, hopefully – with the year under his belt, you're getting better shape, better condition, and um, he'll take off. I, if he stays healthy, I, I feel good about him.
0: What was your final game evaluation of the season last year? Was just incomplete his?
1: because of incomplete, yeah. but he had a nice stretch there. I don't remember the exact games. Maybe it was like game nine through twelve or something where he was practicing and playing, and <clears throat> you could see him coming. You know, and then he then he got uh, dinged uh, twice in the last two games. So the last four games, and it interrupted again. But I feel good about him.
0: In, in terms, terms of Leonard's development, what would constitute a successful offseason in terms of OTA's and for him the next
1: good That he reports to camp in great shape, better shape than he was in last year, and that he's got a great understanding of his position and what's expected of him and to really take off during the season.
2: So that's Vic Fangio on, on the new Bears defensive additions and, of course, Leonard Floyd at the end there, and that that comes from the uh, Hogan Johns podcast. So I don't want to take credit away from them for for playing that audio clip there. But Leonard Floyd, the the quote that that really stuck with me was about his shape. He said he said he you know he has asked he mentioned twice in there that you know he needs to come in in good shape, and then he said better shape than he was in last year, and obviously. Floyd is not a guy that has excess fat on his body anywhere. So it's not sort of that kind of shape, but it is Mm -hmm. it is maybe some kind of football shape. And you get the concern I have is that when a guy like that and again this is not a this is not a oh, I think Floyd's gonna have a bad year because of this, but just the concern about him in his preparation here is that when he's trying to add this much weight and, and trying to continue to bulk up that he is his body is able to keep up from a respiratory standpoint of being able to have the same endurance and the same you know, football shape, as they say, to be able to play at that higher weight. It's not that he he's not going to be able to function, but it does take time. That if you're adding a lot of weight to your body, the rest of your body, sort of, you know, your muscle structure and your breathing and your in your heart has to adjust and, and keep up and be able to play football at and the NFL football at the highest level. It, it's something though. It's something to monitor. I mean, it's not as though he was quote unquote out of shape last year. I don't think I don't think Fangio was implying that, but it is. It is something again this year as, as the weight gain continues to be a big factor, how well his body is going to adjust to that. Phil, what are your thoughts on Floyd?
3: Well, you know, the hype is out there about the 250, 250 pounds, 249 pounds, whatever they're talking. I heard you guys over at BearsBarroom.com, at the Bears Barroom Radio, give that a listen. Did an excellent job breaking down the philosophy of weight and you know when you jump on a scale that means about as much as nothing really you you want to be a certain weight <laughs> what a metaphor you know? <laughs> it means nothing at the end of the day it really doesn't mean a damn thing what what Fangio's talking about is functional strength and when you watch uh Leonard Floyd play the game of football there were real signs more so than myself and you thought there would be, and I'll be the first one to admit, that this football player can deliver the blow, extend, and get himself off blockers to make plays. However, what Fangio's talking about, functional strength, is the ability to hold up. Yeah, you could do it one or two games, and then you're on the bench. That's not going to help a football team in the long run. Lawrence Taylor didn't miss games, you know? Jason Taylor, who similar size build, as Shane Marsaw talks about, he didn't miss games, Lauren. And unfortunately, the concussions, and and they want to clean that up. My concerns are his strength. You want to look at somebody who doesn't fit um, where weight and size and speed uh, matches up with the NFL game? but works his tail off to be in the NFL for God knows how many years. Look at James Harrison of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That guy wants to play football. He wants to get to the quarterback and destroy that quarterback every Sunday. And if you haven't seen his workouts online, you can find them on YouTube or somewhere, but that is how you got to have a hunger in your belly to do it. And I hope that Leonard Floyd, is doing that because if we all can go out now to five five guys burgers and fries and put on a good 20 pounds if we wanted to for the next two weeks that means nothing what means something is his squatting his explosion his strength his upper body strength his neck strength when he's delivering and having to take on those tackles That's what Fangio's talking about. He wasn't in football condition. And hopefully this young man comes in to a, and and you heard some other quotes in and around Hallis Hall about him having a total different approach this year based on a professional science uh, of nutritional science team, as well as the workout that they're asking their players to do. So you hope Leonard Floyd comes in football, defensive end, killer shape to play the game, and he's healthy this year because there's a lot of things you like about that football player, and you hope he's going to be a centerpiece of what is, to my opinion, 1B to the quarterback on a football field is guys that can get to the passer and and disrupt passes and disrupt and disrupt, rather, uh, where the launching point is going to be really help everybody on a t- in a team game the most. So it's going to help your secondary. It's going to help your interior defensive lineman if they have to pay attention to a Leonard Floyd coming off the edge because he's making quarterbacks step up. That feeds Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks. So hopefully, and I think uh, uh, Vic Fangio really <laughs> doesn't it pull any punches we'll see we'll see we'll see we don't know so hopefully you know a guy who we know probably doesn't want to be in Chicago as a defensive coordinator or really has whatever feelings in regards to it is happy with the personnel decisions that they've made um on the defense and hopeful and he's got to be hopeful that Leonard Floyd has really put his nose to the ground, and comes into camp ready to rock and roll, Lauren.
2: Yeah, when you're looking at, at whether or not this defense has improved, I think a lot of what uh, Ryan Pace and the the, the strategy have been this offseason, at least in the front seven, is just we like the talent that we're having. We're hoping our young guys take another step and our veteran guys continue to play at a high level. You know, you hope Pranell McPhee is a little bit healthier. You hope Leonard Floyd takes his game to the next level and, and obviously stays healthy too you got you maybe a guy like Lamar Houston comes back and plays well maybe not you know and maybe Will Young is is in another year healthier and can continue to play at a high level and then guys like Hicks and Goldman taking their games up another step as they continue to try and and make a name for themselves on the defensive line and then you got a bunch of bodies at the other defensive end spot with Unrine Bullard and Jay Howard now you hope that you know a guy like Jay Howard looks like he's in line to start but maybe Jonathan Bullard can step up from from a disappointing year one and and be something there. There, There's kind of your only real question mark in the front seven right now. Besides, I suppose, Danny Trevathan coming back from injury and Nick Kwiatkowski maybe filling in for him to start the year. There's another guy you want to see take the next step.
3: One thing before we go to the defensive backs. Yeah. Jay Howard signing was really one of the underrated signings this offseason for the Bears. This is a guy that can really go in there and be a day one starter. He's better than Bullard. He's better than Bullard right now. Let's be honest. What we've seen of Bullard, now, we won't know until Bullard puts his mouthpiece in and is ready to rock and roll in August, in July and August. But right now, based on what you see out of those players, and yes, the Bears doctors passed this football player on the physical, so that should not be an issue. If it is an issue, shame on them, but... Really, ultimately, Jay Howard is a goddamn football player at that five technique. He comes in here and puts his face into the starting lineup and really makes his presence felt. Him opposite of Akeem Hicks, you've really improved your football team, and and that is a really good signing, in my opinion, because I like the way that football player plays with technique. He has a little bit of a pass rush. That's not his game. His game is to destroy blocking schemes and free up linebackers so they can get to the passer or they can um, swim across and and slip blockers and get into the backfield. So guys like Jarrell Freeman's job is going to be that much easier. And like you said, you hope that Nick Kwiatkowski, based on Trevathan's injury, is going to be coming into this camp ready to start, ready to start opposite Jarrell Freeman. That's got to be the hope right now because that position right there, is one that has a lot of question marks inside linebacker like the wide receiver position does. But I just wanted to make sure we emphasize that at BHL that Jay Howard for me, Lauren, was maybe my favorite signing of
2: the offseason. How about that? Wow. Yeah, I, I do I do think the Howard thing is, is important because you you look at you know, the way that the Bears called defense last year they're in their nickel package more than the majority, more than half the time. I want to say it was close mm-hmm. to sixty percent last year. So you see, Howard is a guy that is is most is not going to be a sub package player for the most part. But he's going to come in in that base defense and and really eat up some space against the run. And then when they go in the nickel, then you've got the guys like Hicks and Goldman, and even Bullard showed some flashes of it in college that they can be those quick penetrators on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, one at one technique, one at three. And hopefully, if a guy like Goldman can stay healthy and build off of what Hicks did last year too, then. You're really set, and it also can take some pressure off of a guy like Hicks. Where if you are playing in nickel, you know, 60% of the time, then you know maybe you maybe you have some snaps where it's unrein and Howard at defensive end, and Hicks is on the sideline, you know, on 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 third and short or on, on first and ten even when you when you're expecting a run, and then you could you can go and put a guy like Hicks in there in the nickel situations on second and long or third and long, and really get the most out of him because he played so many snaps last year. I think it was the third most among three, four defensive ends most of his entire career. He played very well through all those snaps. It was not not something that really seemed to slow him down too much, but it's the kind of thing that you don't know how sustainable it is. And, I mean, they really needed to rely on him for those snaps last year because he was their only good defensive lineman for the most part of the year. But assuming a guy like Goldman stays healthy and you get – Howard to play at a high level and maybe John Jenkins is a is a nice you, backup at nose tackle. You gotta
3: I'm gonna ask you, Lauren, John Jenkins. You another guy that's really I mean, when he was coming out of Georgia, there was a lot of things you liked on tape as far as nose tackle play is concerned. I mean, this is an athletic guy at three hundred and sixty pounds. It's not like he's just a whopper in there taking up space. Uh Bear fans are old enough to remember Teddy Washington with that ability to move or a Keith Tractor trailer, that athleticism at that size is rare. The human condition, I call it, because there's not many people on planet Earth that can be that size and move like that. So if John Jenkins comes in here focused from my hometown, then I'm going to be very happy. I think that is a little, you know, wild card signing right there. I think Jenkins, especially with the injury concerns, as you pointed out, Lauren, with Eddie Goldman, Jenkins really can go in there and not only play, but push Eddie Goldman to maybe a little owie doesn't hurt as much on Monday morning as it did last year, because, you know, Will Sutton didn't fit and didn't play. I mean, he tried, but he couldn't do what it is that John Jenkins is going to be able to bring to the Bears.
2: Yeah, defensive line feels like one of the positions on this team that's really concretely better than it was last year. I mean, the only guy that you lost was Will Sutton, who you know you just described perfectly. And you you add a Howard and a Jenkins, and you hope that a Bullard takes the next step and Goldman stays healthy. And, and there's a position that just feels a lot more solid across the board. Yeah. And there aren't back. a lot of those on this roster. I mean, running back a little bit, tight end a little bit, uh, and that's that's about it where you really feel like you're upgraded. I mean, the interior offensive line hasn't changed at all so I mean I don't know if you count that or not but really defensive line there's a a really concrete position of improvement from last year you also got to count this kid um, what's Rashad Coward I mean I want to see this
3: football player because let's his tape is very impressive Lauren and I know you guys that follow us out there you're following the YouTube channel we are going to get into a lot of udfas undrafted free agent rookies and really look at their play and what they're going to bring to the bears and when we get to coward it's going to be fun to watch this football player because at 6'6 305 pounds just like i described jenkins the human condition this football player can move i'm surprised he went undrafted lauren it would be interesting what Emory hunt had on this football player because I know he's from Old Dominion, a smaller school, but really, ultimately, he stood out on tape.
2: Yeah, and, and this would be a good time to plug that tomorrow, Monday, our next film room video is going to be coming out on Jordan Morgan, the Bears' fifth-round pick out of Kutztown University. The Kutztown. Offensive line. We, we look at him both as a tackle and a guard at the Senior Bowl and kind of take you through what he was able to do well and, and what he's still going to need to work on here as a, as a small school guy. And then on Wednesday, we'll have our first undrafted free agent video, Tanner Gentry. Coming out. I know we yes. talked about earlier in the show, and then I think Rashad Coward will probably be next on the schedule for the film room, but uh, not not guaranteed in that way for sure. But I do want to move on here to the the secondary as we're getting down to the final, you know, eight to ten minutes of our show here because I, I see the wide receiver position a lot like or I see the cornerback position a lot like the wide receiver position with you know three free agent signings, and you're hoping that you can get a starter or two out of that, and then you've got your injured former first round pick who your expectations for are, are kind of iffy. And then you've got a couple special teams guys that kind of seem like the leaders at this point. And then, you know, your your previously undrafted free agents, Krivon LeBlanc and Bryce Callahan both look like guys that you want to contribute. And you're not sure if Deandre Hall is going to be a safety or a corner, but he could be in the starting competition for either. I I think where, mm-hmm. where, where, where's your feeling? Uh, where's your confidence level? I guess in the moves that the bears have made at corner. I mean, we felt like Tracy Porter was a, a liability last year and kind of, Cool, glad to see him gone in terms of a, a low-effort player who was injured, but it's not exactly a short thing. I know you're higher on uh, Marcus Cooper than I am, and, and we're both pretty high on Prince and Mukamara, but again, injury questions kind of come up with both of them. Where, where's your confidence level in this group right now?
3: Well, you hit it on the head because it really comes down to the coaching, and it's unfortunate because the coaching allowing players to play and not and have the similar line. I think you guys were quoting me on it. Tracy Porter's dogging it out there and just playing two-hand touch, and the other teammates are trying their best to make tackles. At some point, who's pulling that guy out? Who's running the locker room, Tracy Porter or your coaching staff? Let's be honest here. I'm not afraid to call anybody out. If that's my football player and he's giving that kind of lackadaisical effort on a Sunday afternoon when a guy's traveling all the way from scotland to watch the bears play at soldier field then you really are letting not only the whole team down but you're letting a whole stadium of fans and worldwide nation of bear fans down because you're allowing that to to define your club and tracy porter was absolutely awful so you hope that the coaching staff is going to play the best players just like the wide receiver position this, I know I could speak for Jose Cotto and, and, and Shane Marsaw from Bears Barroom, as well as you, Lauren, and, and a Brian Perez, all disappointing in the, how they played their personnel on offense, at the skill position, wide receiver, and at, in the secondary. To me, Kyle Fuller coming off the injury really should be a, a safety and be put there and, and let him pout, let him regain the love of football, because if he doesn't love it, he's going to be out anyway, and he'll be gone, moved on. I thought you did an excellent job breaking that down, Lauren. Um, For those that didn't listen to Bears Barroom, check it out. Um, I hate to keep plugging it, but I got I I don't hate to keep plugging it, but I I thought it was a great job of you guys breaking that stuff down. But, you know, Cravon LeBlanc, like you said, and I believe, can be the nickel guy. And I think Callahan is never healthy. So it's much like Kevin White. There's so much talent there. You see glimpses, well, more so with Callahan. But he just can't stay healthy. My guy, like you said, I believe in Cooper. I think that was a good signing. It was the reason why they gave him a three-year deal because I feel feel like he fits what Donatel and Fangio want in their long corner, that lanky corner that has suddenness and that ability to recognize a route and go after it, he's, who's physical, he's going to hit you, he's going to be involved in every play, whether it be running or passing. So I'm excited about him. I think Amukamara brings a veteran uh, cocky arrogance to the secondary. I think he believes in himself a lot. And and he'll go out there to show and prove I think he had an interception against the Bears when they played the Jags at Soldier Field. Here's a guy that former first round pick getting a a chance again in a big city to showcase his talents uh, former first round pick out of Nebraska, Lawrence. So I think a was a a really good signing. I want to see what he does. He's an upgrade to Tracy Porter. I believe he's going to be your starter and with Cooper and I think ultimately you got to play your best five there. So if I'm picking them, I think LeBlanc is your nickel. I really think people really have LeBlanc kind of overlooked here. I think this football player did a lot of good things. Yes, he wasn't perfect, but give me a defensive back that is. I think B W Webb I really like that football player coming out of college, Lauren. You remember we both liked him. Nickel, that's a good guy to get in here into the competition at Nickel with Callahan, who's never healthy. So I think LeBlanc, Callahan, and then you bring B.W. Webb, who could both play inside and outside at the corner position, is very, very I, – I, it's young and, and it's got question, but I think – it's, it's an improvement to last year in my mind, 100%. I'm, I really believe that. And I think a year under the belt of DeAndre Hall and, and Houston Carson is going to be, you know, he's on the razor's edge. What is he going to bring to the table? Hall is going to be a safety. There's no doubt in my mind that's where they're going to play him. He's not sudden enough to play corner, but he is, he's got that knack to find the football, Lauren, in length. I mean, he's got long arms, as we've talked about 100 times that length can be used well when you get a veteran safety in here. I know a lot of people didn't like the signing, but I think at that position, when you get a guy that understands it, that has taken the ball away, that has an air of confidence, he's not old in Demps, I'm talking about. uh, Demps could come in here and really take on the leadership role of that secondary, not from a two-hand touch perspective like the quote-unquote leader of the secondary was last year. But Demps comes in here with a chip on his shoulder and a real knack for taking away the football. I think that was a good signing. And it's going to be totally different than I believe last year's secondary was, even with some of the same players. It's The, the wild card is Kyle Fuller. Is he going to come out here and threaten Amos to get in the safety competition And really push this team over the top at the safety position. Because I believe in Amos, Lauren. You know that. I think that that football player gets a lot of crap that he doesn't deserve. He's not a guy that's taking the ball away. And I understand that criticism. But he was really covering for a lot of interchanging parts every week. That he's got to go in there and be the guy taking on who's not a real vocal guy. Taking on the role of being the leader with a guy that's playing two-hand touch on your right side and other guys that keep rotating in and might not know the defense. It, it was very difficult, and I know that's
2: hard to do. Yeah, I, I feel—I I, I agree on Amos that I think his expectations after year one may have gotten a little bit too high, and maybe maybe we overrated some of what he did as a rookie simply because he was a fifth-round pick. And then when he kind of played a similar level, I think, in in 2016— it, it it felt like he was disappointing, and I, and I, I agree that I think he's a guy that's going to continue to take another step. And I think on the whole, I just feel a lot more comfortable and more confident in the safety position than I did last year, and more so than the cornerback spot. It's just, you know, with a guy like Amos in year three, you know, Bush entering year two, Eddie Jackson's a lot to get excited about, and Quentin Demps creating so many turnovers as he has with all of his experience, I just feel like there's a lot more of a sure thing there and a lot more reason to be excited, whereas last year, I mean, you're kind of relying on Jones, Corte, and Amos, which was a lot of sort of young and, and unproven in, in both sense. And then maybe Dion Bush or Houston Carson gets in there and makes the noise, but they were both rookies. It was hard to expect a lot there. But now I feel like with all these guys having another year under their belt, the safety position feels a- as solid as it's been for a number of years in Chicago. Not not Mike Brown-level solid, but at least right. consistent. There's a there's a baseline here that I feel like, okay, they can get by at the safety position. I'm not... I'm not feeling as confident at corner just because I'm not a big Marcus Cooper fan, at least what he's done recently in Arizona. and Maybe maybe he can get back. I know younger in his career I thought he played a little bit better, but I thought he really struggled last year, and I was concerned by that. And then Amukamara, I'm a big fan of when he's healthy, but I'm not I'm not 100% confident in him being healthy. So if a guy like Amukamara is banged up, say Marcus Cooper is one of your starters. Who's starting opposite on the outside? I don't, I'm don't. i not expecting Kyle Fuller to, so then is it is it – I think – I agree about Cravan LeBlanc, and I could easily see him starting on the outside like he did late in the year last year. i prefer him in the slot, but I could easily see him being one of your other starters. But then, if say let's just let's just say for hypotheticals here that Kyle Fuller's not really ready to go, maybe Amukamara gets banged up. You know, this is maybe a worst case scenario type thing. You have got Cooper and LeBlanc starting with Callahan as your three or BW Webb as your three and Callahan as your four. Not, not a lot of encouraging <laughs> prospects <there> at the <laughs> cornerback position. again, that's maybe a, a worst case scenario. But I look at it the same as the wide receiver position, where if if Kevin White's hurt and you know can't quite play very well, and Kendall Wright's not the same player he once was, and maybe Marcus Wheaton's just okay, you've got Cameron Meredith as your one, and then I guess a, a banged up Wheaton as your two, and and Kendall Wright in there, and so you know y- there's a lot of question marks there. Where if 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 enough things don't go right. Uh, it's 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 iffy and and that's the, 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 that's a big concern for me.
3: well, it you should be concerned because you make a good point. you know rosters are full, and people are are predicting wins and losses in September, October, November, and December through january in in May, I, I never get down with that. I always laugh at that because injuries take its course on every NFL team. so when you're looking at depth charts now, there's still moves that are going to be made, remember, after camp, cuts down. There could be some signings this summer. There could be guys that get cut in the next couple of weeks after, you know, their OTAs and what have you. So it's going to be interesting to see that play out. But I believe, you know, you can look at this roster. I, I think you did a good job of taking it. The deep, you know, Dion Bush coming back. What are you getting from him? Eddie Jackson could easily slide over and play some corner. He's done it before. And he really fits the philosophy that Donatel and Fangio like, especially at corner too. So that could be uh, Lauren Cox bears our live exclusive. Cause when Eddie Jackson's all of a sudden starting at corner come the second week of the season, you're going to be hearing it here first because I could see that football player health issues and all rod in his leg, airport security, uh, Trubisky's Brown Camry, all that crap. I could see that football player really coming in here and, and helping out a secondary in multiple facets. That's what he brings to the table. That's a guy that I feel like in this draft I had him as like the 67th player on my big board of a hundred. I felt like that was a great pick in the fourth round. And he could be a guy where you put him at the corner, you leave LeBlanc inside or Callahan or BW Webb comes in here and makes some noise and fits this philosophy. A lot of times, uh, I'm not going to say everyone, but fans really get involved in, well, he wasn't good with new Orleans. He didn't, they're playing a completely different philosophy. You know, the, Technique and what have you and traits are one thing but when you're asked to to play certain coverages and match up man and match up zone schemes players can transcend that's why a player might leave New England or a Super Bowl contending team and go somewhere else on a big time deal and fail because they don't have the same philosophy they still bring their same traits they still bring their same willingness to tackle but all of a sudden, they're being asked to think more or do something different, and that's where they fail. Where I feel like Marcus Cooper does fit what Donatel and Fangio, like in a length corner and those matchup one and two zones and going after and and blitzing off the corner and doing multiple things. I, I feel like he's going to surprise Lauren Cox this year because. I think he's going to come in here and really be a baller at the cornerback position. I think he's an upgrade, and I think a Mukamura is. So you've already upgraded from what I believe you had last year, and you saw the performance of the defense. If you've upgraded that front seven like we believe they did and have a lot more depth, now that secondary can reap the rewards from a Leonard Floyd coming in a Pernell McPhee coming off injury, a Roy Robertson Harris playing the five technique and give you some pass rush skills from there, and and, and Jay Howard coming in. So those players can help the back end. And, and if you have a, y- a lot of young talent, the Bears, honestly, there, I'm sure there's un- UDFAs on the roster now, Lauren, I don't even know, that are in the secondary and how they come into the competition. Just open it all up because you've won three games and get the best players out there on the football field that are going to give you the opportunity to win. And that's what the best teams do. That's how Seattle turned around. Yes, they lucked out and found Russell Wilson in the third round. But they also have found several hundred undrafted free agent rookies that ended up contributing to their Super Bowl run. So... Don't count anybody off this roster. That's why Bears Hour Live is going to break down those UDFAs and look at them closely and what they bring to the Bears on the YouTube channel at BearsHourLive.com as well. We tweet it out. Follow the Twitter. Follow the YouTube. Subscribe and like. The more you do, the more we can give. So give us a little bit of your time, and I think you're going to be rewarded for that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Another thing, too, if you're if listening to the podcast version of the show, we could really use some nice reviews on the iTunes. That's how you move up in the charts there is when people leave you a nice little five-star review and comment. So if you like what you're listening to, give, give us a little five-star review. If you don't like what you're listening to, tweet us and, and tell us what you'd like us to do different because we do this for you. You know, We don't make money off of this at this point, and we're, you know, we're just doing this for fun. It's, it's a lot of fun to, to go on the radio and, and just talk Chicago Bears football on a Sunday afternoon when we don't have Chicago Bears football. So, hopefully, uh, you enjoy listening to our, our analysis and our, our back and forth on this Bears roster. I think it's a lot easier to be confident in this defense being better than last year. The offense has question marks at the most important positions. So, I think that's much more of a, as Vic Fangio would say, we'll see. And we'll so, see. <laughs> with that, I would like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live.